Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Do you feel like you're stuck in a rut in life or in a dead-end job with no progression? I'm Jerry Dugan, and welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that offers you the motivation, inspiration, and practical tools to help you build a life worth living. My show is here to help you break free from your limitations and find a path to success. Join me as I share encouraging stories and actionable advice on how to get out of your rut in life and create a vision for your future. Life is just too short to live stuck in a rut. Here we go. Hey, Rudder Nation, this is your host, Jerry Dugan, and I just have a question for you. Have you ever found yourself waking up in the middle of the night with a revelation of a limiting belief that you have had on yourself that's been keeping you from living out the dreams you've always lived, dreamt of living? Have you ever had a question like that? Because our guest this episode, Richard Friesen, when he was a stock trader, he had just that happen to him. He woke up in the middle of the night, realized he had a limiting belief, and decided that morning he was going to do something differently. It reshaped everything about his perceptions about money and his pursuit of success so that he could have it all. You know, I, I've talked about it on this show all the time, that there are ways for you to pursue success and not lose your family or your faith in the process. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about here. Not only is Richard a, an experienced stock trader, but he helps people like us achieve the same kind of wealth and family success that we are pursuing. So sit back, relax, grab a notebook and a pen, because here we go. All right. Hey, Rich, thanks for calling in. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. It's a Saturday morning in San Jose, and we've had a series of uh, storms. We got clear blue skies going on, so uh, it's going to be a day to uh, work on the roof leak. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> I love that we just kicked this off sounding like a news report. I love it. <laughs> That's why I did my cheering just now uh, for those watching the video. Uh, but those listening in, you have no idea what celebration I just had in my own dorky way. Uh, but San Jose, California, that's close to where I grew up for middle school and high school. I'm um, out of the Monterey Peninsula. Uh, oh. And my brother and my dad still live in, I believe, Santa Clara. So uh, you guys are close, okay. sort of. I mean, you got all, yeah, got all that distance in between, but yeah. Uh, but we got you on here because you've got, you got some experience doing some trading and you do a lot of work around helping people with mindset related to money, you even published a book called a private conversation with about money. Uh, and then I was just going through your bio one more time just to, to make sure I, I was talking to the right person when we came on here. And I don't know how I missed this, but uh, you got a bachelor's and a master's degree in clinical psychology with certification in neurolinguistic uh, programming. And uh, so I definitely want to touch on that because that, I mean, that just makes sense. Like mindset shifts and, and thinking about money mm -hmm. ties in with you've, you've got the chops to talk about this is the point I'm making everybody. Um, I guess from a more basic level, tell us about how you got involved with trading and, and why mindset around money is, is such an important um, topic to cover. Yeah, well, I got fortunate that uh, a friend of mine and from Wheaton College, you might be familiar with that, um, got into trading and started a trading firm 
and invited me to come along. And I thought, oh, I don't know anything about that. I'm a philosophy major. I'm a therapist. <laughs> what do I know about that money? Oh, ooh. well, you know, some people who do, don't deserve it have a lot of it. <laughs> How do we know so, money is real? <laughs> yeah. I went to work for Merrill Lynch for a couple of years, and then I joined the firm. And there, uh, went, dr they dropped me onto the floor of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And uh, from there, I uh, worked for them. I started a, a desk out here in San Francisco at the Pacific Exchange and eventually created my own trading firm. So what I discovered was just creating my own firm. And even before that, that my own mindset was the critical factor. In fact, I have a story about that, that about my own internal limitations and that eventually gave me a clue to how to really accelerate the traders who I hired. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I, mean, I think you'd mentioned there was something about a like a $200,000 limit in your brain. Really? Uh, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Tell us it about that. It was a long time ago. April <laughs> of 95. It was the middle of the night, and I heard this voice. And this voice said, Rich, you're only worth 200000 a year. Boom, sat up in bed. I mean, it was like I heard it. Yeah. Looked around. Wife was sleeping peacefully so beside it wasn't her. me. So, <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't her. There was nobody else in the room. And I realized that was a voice inside my head that I'd been carrying around, around worthiness, competency, and all that. That just was just a drag. So I got up, showered, dressed, and drove across the Golden Gate Bridge to the Pacific Exchange, where I was an independent market maker. I sat on the steps the concrete steps because the exchange wasn't even open yet and gave it some thought. The first year I was on my own and left the big firm, you know, I was very careful. I made 125000 just really carefully, then made 150, then 175, then 200, and then 200. Mm. But what happened in 95 was I was trading Micron Technologies. It's still a memory chip company. Oh, and yeah, I remember them. It, it, it just took off. And there was only like four market makers in there. And I was up $200,000 by the middle of February. You know, that was my year's income. Yeah. And then I was, you know, down, up, down, up, down, up. And in April of 95, that's when I woke up and I realized I had this voice inside me. So when the doors opened, I went into the exchange and, and they don't have pits anymore, of course. They, you know, your younger people won't even know what a trading pit is. But, you know, sometimes hundreds of people yelling and screaming and buying and selling. So I stood at the back of the pit like I always did. Rich Friesen, very careful, philosophy majors, therapist, you know, just looking at, I, you know, I'm not like the rest of those wild guys down there buying and selling. That's not me. But I realized I was done with, with that voice. And I went and stood right in front of the order book official, right between where the two busiest brokers would be. And I stood there. And then the rest of the, you know, everyone else started filling in once once we get closer to the bell. And the guy who always stood there looked at me because <laughs> you don't well, like where'd spot. you come from kind of look or uh, yeah, you usually stay back there. What yeah, are you doing who's up here? Rich Friesen, the philosophy major in the back of the you know, are you here to pet. stab me? What's going on? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so the bell was about to go off and he just tapped me on the shoulder as if to say, OK, Rich, out of here. This is my spot. Oh, wow. I didn't move. So we started a pushing match. 
the exchange official says, you guys get into a fight, $10,000 fine each immediately. So I stood my ground. The uh, bell went off. And not really Rich Friesen's way at the back of the pit, you know, careful. I And I don't want to blow your ears off here, so I'm going to move back from the mic a bit. <laughs> I've got to turn down <laughs> over here now. Black <laughs> 50. Buy, sell you 20. Buy them. Sold, sold, sold. Half bid. I'll buy them. <laughs> wow. Wow. Rich Friesen, the pit thought Rich Friesen had gone berserk. <laughs> but what, it, what happened was that I realized I was done with that internal voice. And I went on to build a trading firm with the profits. And some of the, a third of the traders that I hired would just make money like I was because we had a system that would risk management. You know, we knew what we were doing. We knew the valuations. And the third of them do okay. And a third of them just couldn't make it. And I brought in a hypnotherapist. And what we discovered was just like me, they had an internal limitation all the way down to their identity, their beliefs about themselves in the world which resulted in behaviors that no longer served them. Wow. Yeah. And did you wind up having to pay the $10,000 fine or did the fine no, get no, broken we, up? No, he backed off. I, oh, wow. I just stood there. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't, and there was something in me that knew that there was a ship. Yeah. That, you know, you talk about uh, beyond the rut. Well, we can talk about ruts neurologically. Like, for example, if you're learning to drive a car, you know, I'm going to tell you how old I was here by putting in the clutch, the stick shifts on the column. It's okay. I know <laughs> you what know, those you are. Put in first gear, you add a little gas in the column. But eventually, uh, there's no neurological connection for that. But eventually, you do it enough, all that gets automated neurologically. Mm -hmm. You don't have to think about it, you know, beyond the rut. Well, the rut is we have all these connections that don't, um, facilitate us getting into the next step or the next thing. So we have to intentionally create them to get beyond the rut and to create new behaviors. And this requires some sometimes some concentration, some intention, some beliefs about ourselves. So, you know, I, I love the name Beyond the Rut because it it's so visceral about how we get stuck. And then the question is, how do we get unstuck and step into that greater self. And that's, um, you know, for me, it was a voice in the middle of the night. But then as I started working with clients, uh, writing my book, the question was then, can we do this intentionally? Was this, can I take an accidental voice and, and create an intentional process and program? And that's where I am right now, uh, working on always improving that. Yeah. And you had a very tangible experience too. Like you, you were telling us, you hit at that $200,000 mark in February of that year mm -hmm. and pretty much stayed there. And, and it made me think back to when I was a pre-med student. Um, and there's a reason why I'm not a doctor anymore, <laughs> or it never was actually. Let me correct that. I never made it to med school because I got out of college with a 2.1 GPA, um, which doesn't get you into med school, it turns out. Um, even Stanford was like, oh, that's cute, but you probably need some. They didn't say cute, but they, they gave me some pointers, <laughs> which led me to joining the Army as a medic, uh, but I never came back to apply for Stanford's medical school. Uh, but my faculty advisor picked up on the fact that I was sabotaging myself, that um, – I was, and the reason why he knew this is I was getting an F in a class while tutoring people to get A's and B's in that same class. Oh my gosh. And he's like, how is it this guy is 
failing, but then I just signed off somebody else's degree plan for the next semester who passed classes because of Jerry Dugan. And, you know, I did an identity check. There's only one Jerry Dugan in this school. So <laughs> it's this guy and he's, he's failing. And, and he'd even offered, like, I think you're gifted in teaching people and, um, helping people understand patterns and concepts and so on. Maybe that's what you really want to do deep down inside. And I was like, no, because those who teach can't. And he's like, okay, fine. <laughs> Good luck next semester. And that was it. It was like, he was done with me. Um, but he tried. Uh, but, you know, looking back, that was me holding myself back from something. And for me, in this case, it turns out I really didn't want to be a doctor, that I really wanted to be doing this kind of thing, podcasting, teaching really? people, help coaching people to succeed. Like, that's the thing that gets me fired up. Uh, but the other thing I really want to do in life, and this is why I wanted you to be on the show, is that, um, you know, I grew up in a home where very limiting beliefs about money. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of folks that I had to look up to, like uncles, aunts, cousins, they looked forward to collecting an SSI check, you know, from the government for the rest of their lives, starting at 18 years old. I'm like, mm -hmm. You can't buy anything for that. And, it, you know, I want to go out with girls and there's definitely not enough money for that. <laughs> and, uh, so something's got to shift. But even now as an adult, you know, I, I know, I know I'm facing my own, you know, $200,000 ish limit when it comes to like, you know, pricing things and, and what I'm really worth in terms of salary or income. Mm -hmm. And, um, what are some of the things you've come across for folks that, they use as limiting beliefs. Like, is there a common pattern that folks face or is it different for everybody? You know, what, what are some of those common? Yeah. Well, you brought up the first is the modeling we grew up with. Mm -hmm. Uh, especially if, uh, you come from a Christian or conservative home, you know, there's all sorts of beliefs. Money is the root of all evil or what you say. If, you know, like one of my traders grew up in poverty in West Virginia, but he had really smart, well, if he made money, that means he would be excommunicated from his family because oh, wow. people with money were different. Uh, you know, being afraid of becoming evil. Uh, we have the conflicts, especially culturally now in our political and economic divide around, you know, which rich people don't deserve it. Uh, they're not worthy of it. There's only, there's, you know, the one pie mentality that if some people have more, some people have less. So we have all these conflicting beliefs and and the community beliefs. Uh, when we grew up on the savannas of Africa, if we were kicked out of the tribe, we died. Mm, so we yeah. still have that survival mechanism in the lower part of our survival brain. And so as a result, you know, I talk to people who might admit a little bit of shift or, or ability to step out of the rut, but that means that it's going to change their relationship with their primary groups or their family. So we have all these conflicts from the models growing up to the belief systems around money and wealth. And then we have the the groups we were in, the cultural divide right now. And pe people with really good hearts, they want to do well. They, you know, they want to uh, uh, give gifts to the world. They want to expand. They want everyone to do well. And so then we have money as evil and it's it's almost feels like it's in conflict with being a good person and having a good heart. So that's why I wrote the book, A Private Conversation with Money, to help people with good hearts realize that there is a whole reframe around money. And the major reframe was 
I got from Walter Williams. He was a black economist. He's passed now, but maybe 20, 30 years ago. I was listening to the radio on the way home. I remember I was driving into the driveway of my house, and he relabeled money as a certificate of appreciation. Love that. And I went, whoa. So, Jerry, if I deliver value to you, you go, Rich, here is a certificate of appreciation for the value you have delivered to me and vice versa. So all of a sudden, money isn't the root of all evil, but it's a certificate of appreciation. Now, we have to also recognize there's people who cheat, who use fraud, who use force to get money, and you know, the, all the evil things that, that people do. Because, you know, as, as the Apostle Paul said, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So mm-hmm. as, as human beings... Uh, we have all our faults, and money can certainly exacerbate those. But once we reframe money and are really good people, then here's what's going to blow the minds of some of your listeners. The more certificates of appreciation we collect, the more value we have delivered. Oh, my gosh. I've had that reframe has changed the life of many of my clients because all of a sudden we've detached it from our modeling when you grew up, the cultural divide, the belief systems, and the uh, the group uh, beliefs that you know we're in, and all of a sudden we can see clearly that my job in life is not to collect money or its energy or whatever, but to deliver value. So I don't know, you're probably not old enough, but uh, it used to be we had these vision boards; they were a big deal, oh, yeah. and you put down the <clears throat> the fancy car, the you know, the the house and and all these things on it, and you had this vision. But what I do is I change that to a value board. At the end of the board, what value are you going to deliver? For example, Jerry, you know, you had all these different things that didn't match you, but all of a sudden, boom, your value is inviting people to a better life, to teaching, to coaching, to do that. And that really satisfies you. So that's the end. Then we can say, well, what skills do I need? What equipment do I need? What uh, who, who do I need to get to know? Who who's going to mentor me? Who's going to be my uh, you know my role model? So then, once you work back from what value I'm going to deliver to all the pieces, okay, here's the ones I'm missing. Here's the one I have. Now, all of a sudden, you're not working to make money. You're working to deliver value, and especially uh, for example that it matches who you are in your heart and what you love doing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's about as good as it gets. Right? Yeah. And I know some people personally that – that's all they do is deliver value to folks. And mm-hmm. uh, Vincent Puglisi is one of them from Total Life Freedom. Uh, he used to be a professional photographer uh, doing sm- sports photography, freelancer, mm-hmm. uh, then wedding photographer. Now he teaches people how to build their own businesses with multiple tiers of income. And uh, But he's constantly like just connecting people and giving away stuff of value. But also he has some niched down programs that, you know, if you want that access, that does cost money. Um, and then the confidence to charge for it. And, and I'm like, wow, okay, I want to, I want to learn more about that. And, uh, the guy who founded Podmatch, um, Alex Sanfilippo, always just leading with value and helping people and, and, uh-huh. you know, seeing the income he earns, uh, is the byproduct of, and, you know, just even people who move up in corporate ladders, the, the ones who do move up 
well and consistently and stay there uh, are the ones who are just constantly looking at uh, not so much like Game of Thrones. How do I survive this power play? Uh, but it's the leaders who are like, just what is best for the people who work with me, for me, mm-hmm. and I'm working for, uh, and then the customers we're serving. And then when they're minded with that, like, how do we deliver value for all these folks around me? They're the ones getting more responsibility, bigger projects. They move up. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also noticed there are folks who, you know, they also feel like they're delivering value. Um, and, they're still in their nine to five, same job they signed up for 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's probably like when I was a pre-med student, there's probably something there they haven't explored. And I don't know if that's something we could touch on or sure. if that was too vague. Of a, <laughs> no, of a you know, what happens is what if a client comes to me and tells me what they're doing and then what they want. And what I do is I pay real attention to their physiology, their face. And occasionally they'll say it. You know, you'll just catch something. And the physiology often tells more truth than the words they say. So then what we'll do is say, he'll say, okay, exaggerate your mouth right now. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Tighten it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we say, okay, there's a voice in there. What does that voice want to say? And we can go down. And so if we look at the behaviors that people have, they're driven by beliefs. And the beliefs are driven by who they are, their identity. And so, if we're willing to drop all the way down, like for me, it was, Rich, you're not really as smart, you're not worthy, everyone else takes more risks, you know, you really don't belong there. So, once the, if we just work on the symptomatic level up here, you know, it's be more disciplined, ask for that raise. <laughs> so, if we're working on a symptomatic level and we haven't acknowledged what's going on deeper. So what I have is the golden keys. The first is awareness going all the way down. What are our belief systems? The next is acceptance. I mean, if we criticize ourselves for who we are, what we discover, well, that's not very helpful. But if we can say, okay, Rich did the best he could with what he had at that time. Now, with that awareness, with that acceptance, and we can say, okay, now what do I want? And what I've done now is I've moved from reaction to agency. That Rich Friesen has become aware of what's going on. He's accepted it. And from a higher level, he can now make a decision about what he wants rather than just reacting from those lower drivers. Mm -hmm. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use CapShow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. And that awareness is that that first step, because if you don't know where you are, you know, it's like hiking, you know, or driving. You know, if you don't know where you are right now, how are you going to know you're going in the right direction to where you want to go? And that that is huge. Uh, and then... I know one of the limiting things that 
at least exists in my family when it comes to money, because uh, I've heard it. <laughs> I've even caught myself saying it, and I even say it on this show, uh, because you know I focus on the five Fs: faith, family, fitness, finances, and then future possibility. And and uh, if you listen to that order, I put finances at number four. Um, and at the same time, though, I want to earn a high income because I want to be able to give. I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to do all these things. And the one thing I catch myself. Uh, doing is when I budget, I'm budgeting for worst case scenario, bare minimum, not for the life I want to live. Uh, but the thing that I've caught myself saying, and my wife has also said is if you pursue money though, you're going to give up family time and which is more important. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and there's some validity to it, but at the same time, there's also some, uh, what do you call it? Like misperception about money again. It's because money is ultimately really a tool or like you said, a certificate of appreciation. Um, and there could be times where people are working too long to earn it. Um, and, and so around yeah. that limiting belief, you know, what, what insights or advice would you have for folks? I'm going to be taking yeah. notes by the way. <laughs> well, what you're pointing to is really important is if we're using the future and money and our desires to fill a hole in our heart, what we discover is we make that money and it doesn't fill that hole in the heart. So like drugs, sex, um, money, gambling, all these things that that if we're missing something deeper, that that when we get them, we have to go for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So if one of the things we work on is what is meaningful to you. And this is, I'll be honest, is really challenging because it used to be we had higher powers, we had God, we had religion, church. Most people in America, you know, went to church or were believers, you know, in in one of the other major religions. And now that's all broken down. So we don't have the, you know, almost the guardrails, the community that that invites us to always look to our higher selves, to the higher rules, the the community to support it. And so meaning has been uh, reduced because if we, well, if we go into postmodernist philosophy where meaning is what is currently created contextually and in our culture, then a whole bunch of people are, are lost. So how do we in this culture with our belief systems fill that hole in our heart with meaning? And that's not, that's not trivial. But I think that's the question that's a hard question, but it's the right hard question to ask. I did say I was taking notes, so here I am jotting them down real quick. <laughs> I love that. That That is, I mean, you got to go that deeper route of like what is meaningful to you. And um, I think when you do, though, it does allow you to, to create those those boundaries. You know, it's, um, you know, you can pursue money, but then what are those boundaries? You know, uh, if it's a well, position. I would like to yeah. just say rather than pursuing money. What if we were pursuing delivering value? Mm, That's a shift. That. Yeah. That is really important to me in my work. So I want to deliver value. Now, there's all sorts of ways to deliver value. For example, Martin Luther King, not money, delivery, huge value to the world. Taking care of your family, men and raising kids who have value, values, you know, and who are ethical, moral kids, delivering a huge amount of value. So if you start with that, then you have a wide range of things. So one of the phrases I have is family first. Takes care of everything. <laughs> I don't, you know, if this decision comes up, oh, family first. Um, 
And that, that certainly is a challenge when we were raising three kids and I was gone a lot and, you know, working hard to build a firm and all that. And uh, fortunately, I have a wonderful wife who managed to fill in a lot of that at home. But if we look at rather than pursuing money versus, you know, being good people, then that dichotomy can be alleviated by saying delivering value. Now we can deliver it to the family, we can deliver it to our customers, our clients, and our uh, companies. Awesome. I, I love that you touched on that, not just because the order I've got the five Fs, you know, it's, uh, it makes sense. It's like, you know, money does help, but it really, if you're delivering value, that is what produces that money. I'm, I'm making sure I'm making these seeds plant in my own head as well. Um, but it's also okay to say, you know, God is first, family is first, my own health is first. Um, and it, it gives you those, those healthier boundaries in a sense uh, and then with each of these areas, delivering value, find out what's meaningful for you and delivering value in that way and in uh, helping people in that way. Um, and then oh, I love that. I love that. Um, gosh, are we, how are we running out of time? I'm loving this, Rich. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we, we, okay. All right. All right. So to keep us on track, man, um, I know you also founded a, a company you've had for a while called Mind Muscles Academy. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us about that. And is, it, and is that the tie-in with a private conversation with money? And how does Mind Muscles Academy help folks? Yeah. Well, it started out as since I came out of the financial world, Mind Muscles Academy was aimed primarily at traders and professional money managers, hedge fund managers, to help them be in rapport with their money, with meaning and success. But what I found was, what's what's really cool about working with money people is they get instant feedback. Right. You know, if you're if you're building a, let's say you want to become a doctor, it might take a couple three years for you to realize, oh, that's not for me. <laughs> but if you're a money manager. Boom, instant feedback. So the the mental processes, the psychological traits, and all the uh, the human errors that we make and the biases, they get instant feedback. So then I could use those and expand those to entrepreneurs, to people who are in financial trouble, and to people who want a better life financially. Because, oh my gosh, it makes such a difference if you feel you're financially stable you're moving toward a future, it takes so much of the pressure, stress, and worry away. So if, but if we're conflicted about getting there and we're trying to get there, you know, that's a recipe for a lot of stress and health problems. Yeah. Oh, that makes total sense. Um, and then the website to find that is, oh shoot, I had it here. Well, the, for most of your listeners, since they're not traders, they can go to conversations dot money. Oh, God, that's the one I wrote down. <laughs> yeah, conversations.money. And I have a special uh, for your listeners. If they go to conversations.money slash beyond, oh, cool. there will be a free course that goes along with the book, and they can enjoy that um, as a gift from Jerry and Richard, and I encourage you to do that. The course has about 10 exercises that takes you through that, you know, we talked about and what you said about awareness as being important, then acceptance, and then asking what you want. So we go through all the major issues that people have around money, meaning, and success. Awesome. Awesome. Before we go, Rich, any final words of wisdom you want to share with folks as we depart? Oh, my gosh. It's, you know, what, what you're going to say, Jerry, I know that you'd agree is, is gratitude every morning, creativity, 
remove yourself from the stress, because in stress, we, we're not as creative. There's tremendous opportunities out there. And if we are confident in ourselves and our future, we can see them. If we're under stress, we can't. So that's not an easy, I mean, that's an easy answer that, you know, it takes uh, what we talked about, creating new neural connections, new beliefs about ourselves and our identity, and creating new behaviors that serve us better. And that's where both of us, I believe, want to make a contribution to others. Awesome. Rich, I'm glad we had you on here. And, uh, you know, if I still find myself stuck in this mindset limit, um, you'll be hearing from me sooner than later, <laughs> a few months from now. I'd love to continue the conversation. Awesome. Yeah. And we're connected on LinkedIn. Uh, you're going to hear from me quite a bit. So uh, awesome. Thank you so much. Take care, Jerry. All right. Now, I hope you got a lot out of that conversation like I did, because I didn't just pick up on, you know, some some fancy little, you know, hacks here on how to build wealth. It went way deeper than that. I mean, we're talking about, you know, it doesn't matter what our goals are if we're not really thinking about what is success for ourselves. And you've probably heard me talk about that on this show a number of times. You know, it doesn't matter if you go after the titles in your career or if you go for the accolades, the published journal articles, the the salary, the business, all those things don't matter if deep down inside, you don't know what it is you want in life. What does success look for, you know, look like for you? You know, I talk about the five F's, faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility. But all that also comes down to why. What's your vision for a better world that would just make your life worth living for you? What What is significance for you? You know, for some, it is. I'm going to reduce poverty in my neighborhood. I'm going to reduce poverty. I don't know, disparities in healthcare. I'm going to just make sure to be, that people have a comforting end of life care where they're treated with dignity and respect. Whatever it is, you've got your why. Have you taken the time to really dig deep? So keep in tune with the, the episodes coming out of this show because uh, you're going to see me do more offerings where you get to do just that. Plug in and think about those whys and, and what are your limiting beliefs? How do I eradicate those limiting beliefs? And so on. Now, for this episode, you can check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 382. Um, there you will have links to the, the giveaway that Richard has just for you. Um, so go check that out. Again, beyondtherut.com slash 382. There's a nice workbook there for you, some other goodies, and uh, check that out. And we'll just come back again on the next episode, and we'll just keep doing that over and over and over again. So there you have it. I'm glad you were here with me. I look forward to the next one. But until next time, go live life beyond the rut. Take care, guys. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.